0: Welcome to the Scoop and Score podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? Did you take a little more bye, bye. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Khan. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the off-season. We made it. We made it through the whole season. Um, definitely times we we didn't know we were going to get here, but pretty exciting Um to crown a national champion and to crown one emphatically with the Alabama Crimson Tide knocking off the Ohio State Buckeyes 52 to 24. I for one, uh, am pretty familiar with, with losing to Alabama by 28 points in the national championship game. So totally understand what Ohio State fans are going through. Although I'm not sure that there's a single Ohio State fan out there that is listening to this podcast. Um, so they won't even hear me commend them on their really nice seven-win season. Congratulations to the Buckeyes on doing what uh, what Cliff Kingsbury pretty much did all the time at Texas Tech. Uh, Alabama, what a season it was. Um, I, I doubted them. I feel stupid for doubting them, um, you know, in, in the final pick of the year to try to get uh, into the black for my picks on the year. I did end up taking the points with Ohio State. And I think I just I overreacted to to what Ohio State uh, was able to do against Clemson. And I think I in a way, I might have underrated Notre Dame a little bit. and what they were able to do, I saw Notre Dame hold Alabama to thirty one points. And I thought, okay, well, if Ohio State can can hold Alabama around thirty one points, they're going to be able to score more than Notre Dame. This should be close. Um, but obviously that that wasn't the case, and Alabama was able to do whatever they wanted on offense, and that was even with Devonte Smith being injured early in the third quarter, Mac Jones uh, getting banged up pretty badly um, in the second half as well. They just uh, kept that machine going um, and, and really such an impressive team all year, especially on offense, although the defense did what it had to do last night. And I think in the last three years of college football, uh, we've seen three of the most impressive teams and impressive seasons of all time I mean coming out of that 2018 season when Clemson blew through Alabama to win the national championship in Trevor Lawrence's freshman year, I mean they had such good receivers um, etn and, and Lawrence um, you know in in the offensive backfield and then that defense the front seven in particular was just so loaded um, you know so many first round picks on that Clemson defense it didn't you know and the first team to ever go 15 and0 didn't know if we'd be seeing, a team at that level again, and then the very next year, LSU, as prolific and offensive as we've ever seen, really crushes pretty much everyone they played. Also goes fifteen and zero, and and maybe even topped what we had seen from Clemson the year prior. And this year, Alabama, the offense, you know, right up there. I think you know if you're if you're comparing offenses, Alabama this year versus LSU last year, really, really close. Um, I don't think their defense was quite up to par, um, certainly not with Clemson's from 18 or I don't think LSU's from last year. If I were ranking those teams overall, I'd probably go 2019 LSU, 2018 Clemson, and 2020 Alabama. But in terms of impressive seasons and what this Alabama team and really every team that played a full season had to go through this this college football year during this pandemic, so difficult. And I just think this is as impressive uh, a season as we've seen from any college football team in the modern era. Um, and just, I, I always enjoy, I mean, unless I really hate a team, I always enjoy watching the championship celebration. And that was no different with this Alabama team. Just seems like a lot of really likable guys um, from quarterback Mac Jones, who aside from being, you know, moderately tall and and throwing a football pretty well is no different uh, athletically than than pretty much anyone that i associate with um as especially as evidenced by his attempts to slide slash dive when he would scramble out of the pocket naji harris just seems like you know a really well-rounded guy and it's just funny and great with interviews um we saw what alex leatherwood was like up on the podium after the game playing offensive line devante smith going through the heisman um you know, proceedings last week and and then, you know, just with with winning MVP and doing the interviews even after getting injured in this game. And, you know, on the defensive side, maybe not as many uh, you know, personalities and names, but also, you know, they it seemed like a clear absence of, say, for lack of a better example, a Ruben Foster type, who, uh, despite being an outstanding linebacker a few years ago, probably not uh the best citizen. So again, this is just an incredibly likable Alabama team. I was really happy for them and uh, and enjoyed watching them celebrate and really enjoyed watching them all season. Aside from when uh, they were dismantling the Irish, it was uh, it was a fun team to watch and it was especially fun to watch them while rooting for them last night. Some of what they were able to do on offense was incredible. Coach Sark going to Texas. I mean, if you're a Texas fan, you've got to be excited about what's coming to Austin. Uh, This coming season, especially with some of the some of the tools they have and and thinking ahead to next season. I think it's going to be a wide open year. I mean, of course, Alabama is always going to reload and, and Clemson's always going to reload. But Alabama, I mean, all of those names I just mentioned are gone. So you know they should still have a strong defense, and you know Bryce Young, who we saw for the last few snaps of this game, should step right in. But it's hard for a quarterback to just step right in; you don't hit on hundred percent of them. Um, and and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle and a lot of this offensive line—they're all out the door. So you know uh, John Mechie should be good. We saw Slade Bolden uh, score a touchdown in this game; he'll be back. Um, so so certainly it's it's going to be a loaded team, but. Uh, you know they're certainly losing a lot. Um, Ohio State is is losing a ton on both sides of the ball, um, but but uh, but obviously you know with with the level that they recruit should be good. Um, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. Uh, sh- if if he takes the jump that you'd expect, and we've seen from so many quarterbacks under Lincoln Riley, they should be up there. And of course, uh, what we've already seen from DJ Uiagalelei at Clemson, that's gotta uh, you gotta expect that to be a good team, especially with the recruiting class that they brought in this past year, the current freshman class now with a year of college, you know, weight training under their belts and and some experience playing, um, they should certainly be good as well. So I I think, you know, the usual cast of characters, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State, certainly going to be up there. But I would also expect all every single one of those teams, maybe with the exception of Oklahoma, actually definitely with the exception of Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma will be better next year than this past year, but Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, I certainly expect them to be lesser versions of themselves next year. And uh, and that's certainly going to open the door. So does it open it for a Georgia or a Texas A and M? Um, could we see you know a, a lesser known program that that made a bit of a leap this year? Uh, Ohio uh, Iowa State. I'm sorry, Iowa State brings um, almost all of their starters back. You know, it, it, people were surprised that Brock Purdy announced that he's coming back. Of course, running back Brees Hall will be back, and uh, and the over uh, their their good tight end um, is, is coming back. Charlie Kohler. And a good chunk of of that defense is coming back. So Iowa State will be back. We'll see if they still have head coach Matt Campbell at the helm. But certainly uh, things could be open for them to make a run. Uh, I mentioned Texas um, with with Sark. See how good they can be in their first year. But Iowa State and Oklahoma could certainly be battling it out once again for the Big 12 championship. and, uh, And potentially a spot in the playoff. And then could a team like Cincinnati, who is bringing most of their team back next year, Could they finally make the leap? The thing we always say, we said it with UCF and we say it with the the group of five teams, is you sort of have to do it two years in a row. The first year you have a great season, that's what sort of builds your respect up a little bit, but you're not going to get credit for it. You're not going to get a chance to get into the playoff and your ranking will never be that high. But then the next year you're on people's radars. And if you do it again, then hopefully you're rewarded for it. And you get that respect. And Cincinnati's going to play Notre Dame next year, and they're going to play Indiana next year. They're going to have a couple chances at some ranked uh, Power Five teams. So if they could have another undefeated season, certainly an opportunity for Cincinnati. Now, one thing that is going to make it a little bit more difficult for Cincinnati next year is the fact that they'll have to replace their fantastic defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. Uh, part of the reason I waited t- until this week to talk about Notre Dame was that I had an inkling that they would make an announcement about a defensive coordinator hire, and that has happened. Um, we hinted at it uh, on this podcast back when Tommy Vegas and Danny Dimes were on the show in December, uh, and and we suggested that Marcus Freeman could be the next defensive coordinator of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and sure enough, that has been announced huge, huge hire for the Irish. you have to imagine he's only going to be around for a year or two uh, but you know replacing Clark Lee was going to be difficult and I think they found a replacement that could be just as good um, certainly is is known as a dynamic recruiter. So in all the talk about Notre Dame needing to bring in athletes that that are going to be able to do their best to compete with the Alabamas of the world in the future, Marcus Freeman, is exactly the guy to do it. So if he can spend two years bringing in big-time recruits over the next two years, that's all of a sudden, you know, the 2023, 2024, 2025 Fighting Irish, that's where we're going to see those dividends and could make a big difference. Another thing about this, you know, this hire, Notre Dame went toe-to-toe with LSU. And I don't know if they outspent LSU, but they at least spent enough with a salary to make Marcus Freeman choose Notre Dame. And all in, that just gives me the idea that the entire football organization, from from Brian Kelly to Jack Swarbrick to the president of the university, they are all in and committed on going after Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and trying to be an elite in the world of college football. And I I would just guess, kind of given – And and I'm going to talk after the break, I'll talk a little bit about what I expect for the 2021 Fighting Irish. But I would just expect that Brian Kelly now sees this as a four-year plan. Originally, if you had asked me two, three years ago, I thought he would have probably retired after, say, the 2022 season. But the way I see it now, I think there's a little bit of a rebuild coming in 2021 and then, you know, 2022 an improvement, and then 2023 and 2024, I think those are the two years that Notre Dame can really focus in on going out and trying to win a national championship. And my prediction is that the 2024 season will be Brian Kelly's last at Notre Dame. And, uh, and I think the entire school, the, the administration, the athletic department, I think they are very focused on this four-year window and doing everything that they can to put themselves in a position to win the national championship. I'll talk a little bit more about that window and how it's going to start in 2021 after telling you about DeBraga Meats. And let me tell you, it's so nice just having a freezer full of meat. You don't always, listen, you're not going to have you know red meat every single night you know, you're going to have to mix in some greens, you're going to eat healthy, it's the new year, you've got resolutions, you're gonna have some salads in there. But you know, you're having your salads, you're having your vegetables, you're, you're eating light, you're working out. Every once in a while, you need a little treat that you're going to look forward to. And that's when say maybe on a Tuesday, you take a steak out of the freezer, you put it in the fridge and you say that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow Stevens prize. You know, you, Stephen, you work hard today on Tuesday, and tomorrow on Wednesday, that steak is going to be thawed out, you're going to cook it up, it's going to be delicious, and you're going to treat yourself to a nice little steak because you deserve it. And let me tell you, listener, you deserve the delicious meats that DeBraga has to offer, whether that be ribeyes, New York strips, you can get a nice filet, you know, it's more of a lunch steak, but have a nice, you know, six ounce filet if you want pork chops, you can get chicken, you can get lamb, you know, whatever you want, they have it. Go to debraga.com, that's D-E-B-R-A-G-G-A.com, use promo code SCOOP, S-C-O-O-P, at checkout, you're going to get 15% off your first order, and I just, listen, I stand by the product, I can't offer you a money-back guarantee, but here's the guarantee I offer. If you get DeBraga products and you don't find them delicious, I will allow you to come to my home and slap me right in the face. That is the Stephen Kahn guarantee. If you are not fully satisfied with your DeBraga meat, you can slap me right in the face. If you live in the New York metropolitan area, Area, that's the second week in a row. I've said era instead of area. If you live in the New York general region, there we go, how's that? Go to local.debraga.com. You know, a little bit less selection, but still really great stuff. You might get some better prices. And best of all, you're going to get free delivery. That's local.debraga.com or regulardebraga.com, and you're going to use promo code scoop. It's the best stuff. You're going to love it. Now let's talk a little bit about Notre Dame and what to expect in the year ahead. Another bit of news that's happened since the last uh, time, actually it happened before the last time you heard from me, but I didn't talk about it then. And that was uh Wisconsin quarterback, Jack Cohn transferring to Notre Dame. This is a good thing. It's not, you know, it's, it's not, it's maybe nothing to write home about as they say, but it's worth talking about on a podcast. Um, this is a guy who went to the Big Ten Championship for Wisconsin. He's a perfectly solid quarterback. And most importantly, he's Notre Dame now has a quarterback on the roster that is ready to go to Tallahassee and play at Doe Campbell Stadium probably at night on, on opening weekend next year against Florida State. Because the other options were Brendan Clark, who probably is not going to be physically ready to go with his knee injury. Drew Pine, who has thrown like seven passes and is like six feet tall and 145 pounds. Uh, Tyler Buckner, who is hopefully the quarterback of the future, but played at a pretty low level in terms of competition when he was a junior and then didn't have a senior season, so he hasn't played you know legit you know legitimate football game in like 2 years and even then he was playing against pretty low competition there just wasn't going to be a quarterback that Notre Dame could put out there and say yeah we're we're ready to go and Jack Cohn gives Notre Dame exactly that he's a seasoned veteran um you know I I've, I've heard it's you know people say like he's not an upgrade over Ian Book well yeah of course not Ian Book left it's not about being an upgrade over Ian Book it's about being an upgrade over Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine and and Brendan Clark going into to September 5th of 2021 and he is an upgrade in that regard. And from, you know, everything that that I've heard, he's absolutely a, a great locker room guy. He's not about himself. He's he's all about team. Um he's you know, he's a bit of an athlete. I don't think he's he's got quite the escapability and mobility of Ian Book, but he definitely uh you you watch his highlights, he's definitely, you know, not afraid to scramble out of the pocket and and put his head down and, and dive for first downs. You know, he's he's got probably two or three inches on Ian Book. Um, so that that's a positive. And he from from watching him over the years, I would say he's a lot more willing to push the ball downfield than Ian Buck. I think, you know, in terms of arm strength and, and things like that, they're actually pretty similar. It's just the cone is more willing to take the deep shots. Now, granted, he did have Quintas Cephas um, at Wisconsin for, for the majority. It did seem like every time he was throwing deep, um, Quintez Cephas was on the other side of that throw. And Notre Dame's going to have to find a receiver uh, that's at that level because they certainly did not have one this past year with Ian Book. But I just, he's a great stopgap. He's a guy that's, that's going to come in and, and do a nice job for the program and help them get through 2021, which is not going to be their best year. And you let Tyler Buckner grow. And if you get a chance to get Tyler Buckner some work, then that's great. And you, and you start building for the future. And hopefully as a sophomore, Tyler Buckner can be your starter and potentially have, you know, four years of eligibility at that point. Now, looking ahead, you know, we've got some some people releasing their way too early top 25 polls for next year. I've seen Notre Dame at 10. I've seen Notre Dame at 15. If I'm being honest, I'm just not. I think Notre Dame is a fringe top 25 team next year. They're replacing four starters on the offensive line. Uh, they're replacing their quarterback, of course, who's been, you know, a three-year starter. Uh, they are replacing some receivers, although that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and then you know some both defensive ends. Um, uh, Jeremiah Wusakormo is going to be probably you know a top fifteen pick at linebacker. Excuse me, at linebacker. They're they're replacing a lot. Now they definitely have the talent uh, to replace those offensive linemen. But again, these were a bunch of fifth year seniors that were starting across the offensive line. Now you're bringing in um, you know a bunch of new guys who who. You know, think back to the 2018 offensive line, for example, with Notre Dame, and that's kind of where we are going to be with the 2021 offensive line. Good players, but just inexperienced, and they'll be a lot better two, three years down the line. I didn't even mention, you know, they'll be replacing both Tommy Tremble and and Brock Wright at tight end. While, well, you know, they still have Michael Mayer, and they've got a lot of young, good young players, Kevin Bauman, George Takas um Takis Takis I don't know how to pronounce his last name behind him certainly a lot of talent there but definitely losing a lot especially in terms of blocking when Notre Dame would go in the 13 personnel so often this year that was kind of their bread and butter and it's just going to be harder to do that next year but I spent this whole season saying that Notre Dame has kind of joined that that tier 2 of college football teams the oklahomas and the georgias and 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 those kind of teams of the world just barely nipping at the heels of say alabama clemson and ohio state so if i believe that to be true that means that you know even in a rebuilding year you need to go out and go 9 and 3 um and looking at the schedule i think 9 and 3 is is sort of doable um and and maybe expected and it's the kind of schedule where if you went 10 and 2 that would be a really nice season and if you went 8 and 4 it would be a little bit disappointing but not a disaster I I am going to kind of artificially just draw a made-up line at 8 and 4 you can't go 7 and 5 if you're going to be an upper echelon team I mean 7 and 5 I think Obviously, you know, the four and eight year and sixteen was a true disaster, but seven and five would constitute a truly bad year and a step back for the program, even if you are rebuilding. So I think eight and four kind of needs to be the floor. Nine and three, you know, you could mean you saw some things that uh, that could lead to future success. and ten and two would be great. It's an interesting schedule. I mean, in the first four games, i'll I'll just read it through. It's never never too early to go through a schedule. You go at Florida State, you've got Toledo, you've got Purdue. And you've got Wisconsin at Soldier Field. You've got to go 3-1 in those four games. Florida State's going to be better. Toledo and Purdue should both be wins, although Purdue's not a pushover. And Wisconsin's going to be a good battle. So, you know, assuming you beat Toledo and Purdue, Purdue not a, not a guarantee, you've got to go 1-1 one one against Florida State and Wisconsin. Then the next four games, Cincinnati, at Virginia Tech, USC, and North Carolina. That's a pretty brutal stretch right there, I have to say. Those are all four of those games are absolutely losable. I'm almost, I mean, you've got a five-game stretch in the middle of the year. Wisconsin, Cincinnati, at Virginia Tech, USC, North Carolina. That is brutal. And then you finish the year Navy, at Virginia, Georgia Tech, and at Stanford. I think you really have to run the table there in November going 4-0. and So it's just a question of, you know, what are they going to be? Are they going to be 5-3 after the first eight? People might be grumbling and then they finish strong, but that is not an easy schedule next year. And then into 2022 and 2023, that's when Ohio State comes onto the schedule. You're playing Clemson both of those years as well. Those are going to be absolutely hard. But again, they're cutting their teeth in 2021. They'll get better in 2022, 2023, and 2024. That is when this team is going all in. I hope to still be doing this, talking to you guys in 2023 and 2024. Let's see if my prediction comes true. I think Notre Dame competes for and plays in a national championship game by the end of the 2024 season. We'll see if I am right. That is going to be it for me. That is going to be it for this 2020 college football season. I appreciate everyone who came along for the ride. I'm thankful for everyone in college football and in the NCAA that got this season done. It gave me something to look forward to every week during a difficult year. Uh, I I don't pretend for one second that this— podcast does anything for anyone that's helpful in a really difficult time but hopefully you did get some enjoyment out of listening to this each week hopefully you didn't lose too much money following my picks and again I really enjoy doing this I really enjoy uh, hearing from people every year I hear from someone new that I had no idea listen to the podcast so really enjoy uh, really enjoy hearing those kind of things hope you enjoy listening. Have a great year. I will. Uh, I'll talk to you next year. And just on the way out the door, you know, thanks to producer John for everything he does. Um, big, big, big help there. Uh, and and especially with the equipment uh, equipment uh, upgrade this year, I have to pr- thank uh, producers Tim and producer Ellie uh, for for the equipment upgrade as well. So. Thanks to everyone. I will talk to you next year. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a, a surprise episode, do another uh, movie rewatch, something along those lines. Uh, with that, let's just, uh, we're on to 2021 and we're all Aggies now. That concludes the Scoop and School podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.